Hi everyone, we are in full holiday swing here and we are spending lots of time with family and friends and all the usual busyness, shopping, prepping, celebrating, feasting, laughing, and a lot of crazy silly fun. But I wanna take a minute to wish all of you the happiest of holiday seasons. May all of your celebrations be fun. May you find meaning and joy in the traditions you choose to keep this year and may you be surrounded by love and miracles. We aren't posting new podcasts during this winter break, but we hope you'll take a minute to go back and maybe listen to a few of the podcasts that you missed this year. There are 60 of them. We are so proud of that big, giant list of conversations. And in case you don't know which one to listen to, here's one of my favorites from the last year. I also want to say that we're looking forward to a bright 2017 with you because we truly believe that seeing me, hear me, love me, has the power to change the world. We know deeply and truly that you've got this and you're not alone. So stick with us. Happy 2017. Happy New Year. Hi, today's podcast is called Gratitude, Empathy, and Giving Back. The guests at the square table are Mariella Leon, Kira White, and Summer Fairman. Mariella chose this topic as her son expresses gratitude, kindness, and generosity in many day-to-day situations. (laughs) Yet, he objects loud and clear about giving his toys away or helping children who have less than he does. We've invited Kira to talk about her son's experience with gratitude and giving as well. And we also invited Summer, who is a mom to two school-age girls and also the director of TLC here at B'nai Torah. That's Sadaka, learning, and hesed. Summer understands how challenging it is at every age to be a giver and also understands how to connect people to projects. She creates empathy and generosity among givers. But first, let's hear from Mariella and Kira about the, the contradictions, the drama, and the tension of being um, a little person, figuring out how to be kind, generous, and giving. Mariella? Uh, well, first of all, it's nice to be back. Thank you. Uh, my son, Daniel, he's uh, already three and a half, and he he's very grateful in many ways. He, um, he was able to recognize when somebody does not nice things for him. Um, even when we were driving around and another car lets me by, oh, that was so nice of him or so nice of her. Um, he's always saying thank you, please, and very grateful when I help him, but like... As Karen said, um, if I tell him things like, wow, you have too many toys and there is kids that don't have any. Why don't you pick a few so we can give it to them? He'll say, uh, maybe their mom and dad can buy them some. I'm like, Daniel, but maybe they don't have moms and dads that can buy them toys. And he doesn't quite get it. And um, No, he, I liked it when he told you you should buy them. <laughs> yeah, he, he says, supports you helping them. Yeah, he also <laughs> says, well, if they don't have mommies and daddies, maybe you can be their mommy and, you know, dad can be their daddy. So, you know, that is something there that makes me happy. But um, I guess I always view it as being grateful and, and with charity and all of that as something that you had in you, not mm. something that had to be taught. So when he started making these comments, like, I'm not going to give them anything or I feel like he doesn't feel bad for them. um, I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, maybe he's been I'm spoiling him too much. Um, So I'm that's why we're here today. It's a a fabulous core question. You know, is that something you're born with or Mm -hmm. is it something that 
um, that is created and grown over time. So we're gonna we're gonna put that question right to Summer after we get an example from Kira about um, gratitude and giving back in her household. Hello again. My name is Kira, and I'm excited to be back. Also, my son Austin is also three and a half, and being grateful, having gratitude, being generous is definitely something we try and demonstrate. Uh, hopefully, I'm hoping that he learns through me demonstrating it and me actively participating in those kinds of things in my life. Um, but Austin definitely has a difficulty with it, even from little things like if we're at somebody else's birthday and I say, let's call and wish them a happy birthday or let's bring a present for your friend. It's his birthday. And he'll get upset and say, no, it's not their birthday. It can only be my birthday. I love it. That's a great, and it's a universal example. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were talking in class this week. Somebody's angry that mom's birthday is coming up this week before his birthday. And it's just, it's just not okay. It's, Mm -hmm. it should be all about me. Mm -hmm. Keep going. That's awesome. Um, So even something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't think it's such a, it's not a crazy big deal, but it just demonstrates the difficulty he's having. But he does, you know, he is grateful. And even from little things like waiting for dad to get home on the front porch to give him a hug when he gets home from work and being excited for him to be there to me, that's, you know, showing that he's grateful that daddy is working hard and coming home, Uh. um, which is something we're working on. And he does say please and thank you. And um, I I know that he gets excited when he has his toys and he's really happy about all the experiences we can share with him. I wonder if he understands that not every kid gets that. Um, and I'm just hoping to be able to show that to him uh, for the future. And there's so much in terms of what they get and don't get, because can, we can even talk later about older children, kindergartners, who have deep confusion over what it means to be homeless or unless you have some sort of experience. I mean, I remember kids on a field trip driving by, you know, a a suburban apartment complex where their teacher lived, but they didn't know that. And they looked and they said, oh, is that where the homeless people live? Because they, they have no, it's very hard to connect to these abstract concepts of need or differences. So mm-hmm. let's put it to Summer. Summer, tell us about yourself as a mom and as somebody who is doing amazing connections out there in the world. Well, I'm Summer Fairman. I have two girls. I have a 12-year-old daughter who's in the sixth grade, and I have a 10-year-old daughter who's in the fifth grade. So they are very close in age. They are very different children, both empathetic, both giving, um, both very different, <laughs> extremely different. Um, to answer Marielle's question about are you born with it or do you learn it, I really believe everyone is born with it, but if you don't see it, you can't learn it. You are born with it, but you still have to learn it. Um, everyone is born, but if you don't see it, you can't learn. And to talk about the suburban apartment complex, I am one who doesn't necessarily spoil my children by any means, we don't get just to get in our house. There is a reason always. And it's not just your birthday or Hanukkah, but there's a reason. I took my niece, who is one of four, to a Bruce Springsteen concert years ago, and she had to come to our house. She'd never been to our house before. She lives in a very, very large house, and she said, oh my God, you live in a shack. Oh, and you start to see that at three and four with children comparing house size. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that, so I kind of looked at her and said, I live in a what? 
and she was very, very demeaning, judgmental, and nasty. And I turned around and I said, well, I don't judge where you live, and I think that you live in a house that could hold 10 families, so I think you should invite 10 families to come live with you since you have such a big house. She was totally appalled, <laughs> to say the least. Well, no. I'm not sharing. I'm, well, and that's how her attitude's been until now she's 28, and she's still like that, and she's not giving, and no one did teach her that. Her household wasn't about giving. Her household was about getting. It's how much money can I make? I need a new car. I need a new computer. And when my father said to um, the children, well, how are you going to afford to send them all to sleepaway camp? And this, well, I just have to work harder. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to give more. I'm not about working harder. I'm about giving more. Giving of your time is more important than going and making the almighty dollar. Um, let me jump in about the what the research says about empathy being born with it or not born with it. And then I'm going to come back to you in terms of that process of you, as you've seen it from preschool age through school age in terms of, um, you know, just at different ages and stages and with different child temperaments, oh, how that looks in different ways. And the research says that the empathy is not there at 14 or 16 months and it is there at 18. And it comes down to the goldfish test. And what they did is they sat in California, and they, it was Berkeley, and the joke is even Berkeley kids prefer goldfish over broccoli if they're given the choices at a table. But if the researcher says they like broccoli and not goldfish, at 18 months they can dis- differentiate and give the researcher what she likes, not what they like. And so this idea of egocentrism, which in me, my now, which is such a dominant theme of creating, but I don't think of it, I think of it as a developmental theme. Summer just had like a, a roll your eyes, laugh, because me, my now is a cultural experience, but it's also a developmental experience. Oh, my face wasn't for that. Mine was that we were raised with take me, get me, buy me, now, everything, always. Yeah, yeah. So they will, anyway, so if a child knows that you like something different than they do, they want to make you happy. They want to find a way. And and so, so much of framing it is, you know, if I say thank you to someone, it's not just because I need to say thank you, it's because saying thank you makes that person smile, that that may, that warms their heart. And finding the age-appropriate ways to convey that connection, I think, is the secret and the mystery. Go ahead, Mary um, for example, the other day, Daniel was at Austin's house, and we've been talking about giving things to the less fortunate. And he told me, Austin has so many toys. Maybe he can share some of his toys to the less fortunate. <laughs> so it's a power thing. He's a chess player. It's a power thing that he just he wants to give, but not his. Like, what, what's it, going on? <laughs> well, very clearly for me, the power of mine is ownership is about establishing identity. And so it's a clear way of saying, and even for those me, my now grown-ups who are acquiring, acquiring, but but in, developmentally, as children become their own person, it's very hard for them to share, but they can only share after they feel ownership. If it's mine to give, I can give it. 
But so what, what's happening with Daniel is he needs time to go through that process mm. and he needs um, a little bit of control over what, and, and I know that Summer can speak to this in terms of choosing how he will give, how he will show his, his care and concern for other people. And he's not going to let anybody push him into um, this is what you need to do because then it feels like someone's ripping it out. Mm. And, and that whole letting it go, I mean, that's such a visceral experience for young children I mean for me it's even about pooping so you know it's, it's not just, so it's it's what you, what we hold on to and the people who hold on tightly it's just it's it's a process okay. but that he understands um, and, and there's a little cognitive chess game going that like yeah I know what you want from me mm-hmm. um, and so I will I will I invite you to go do that yeah go ahead you get you give it um, so yes. go ahead, Summer. Um, does Daniel like to play with toy cars? Yes. Okay. So I remember the toy car phase very well, and the toy cars were mine. And we had to have a special box, and they all had to live in their little house, and we had to carry the toy, the cars with us everywhere, and God forbid we leave a car somewhere, life was going to be over. And then one day, we were ready to give up our cars. We were much older than I expected, but we were able to give up our cars, and we did. But then I was working with a child who was definitely not ready to give up his cars. And so I said, all right, well, we were going off to work with autistic children one day, and we had to take the cars with us. So we took the cars with us, and he wanted to play with the cars. And this little boy wanted to play the cars with him. And he said, okay, well, you can come play with me. Well, it was time to pack up the cars. All the cars are in their spot except one car. And the little boy who was autistic was still playing with the car. And he said, well, can I please have my car back to put it in? No, thank you. I'm not ready to give it back to you yet. And so he looked at him and goes, that car makes you happy? And the little boy said, yes. The car makes me happy. I'm still playing. And I get chills. And he let him have the car. And he looked at his mommy. I, I gave him my car. Um, when we are at the store, could you buy me another car? And she said, well, for what? I want to give him another car so his car isn't lonely. <gasps> so it, you have to let That's them amazing. have. So Daniel will let go of something, but you have to give him an opportunity of a place to okay. let go of something. So maybe if he was in a situation where he could share with someone who doesn't have as much. So even if he's playing over at Austin's house, Austin probably has equal or it looks similar. You know, it might be a different playroom setup, but, you know, there's cars and there's play food and there's the different items. But if you were at a, at a play center where the, they don't a family have a promise, lot of... family helping out with the homeless oh, you, families. Do you go to Family Promise? Oh. We'll, well, if we'll you went to Family... In. If we go to Family Promise, which you're welcome to go with me anytime you'd like. With Daniel. With Daniel. Oh, it's a family... It is Family Promise is a family-centered um, experience. But he could bring something with them. There is no TV in that house, so you don't get distracted. You have to physically play with the other children. And he might be able to see and learn, even from a five-year-old, you know, something so powerful and so meaningful that it might not be you who teaches him the lesson. You teach him how to be the best Daniel he can be every day. But you might not be the person who... You are the person who instilled it. It's in there. So when he would see somebody who needed it, he would be able to do it. But not because you told him to, because he believes it and he feels it. What about the age? It's three and a half. Is he ready for all that? Like, you when know what? Do you start? He's going to, he's going to, I mean, I started super early. 
Um, when I was pregnant with my second one, my girls were only 18 months apart, I would volunteer every day. And I volunteered every day at a soup kitchen. And it was a very, you know, different environment. Who in the world would ever think this woman is very pregnant and I had a baby Bjorn on or a sling on holding one daughter. And that's what we did every day. And my daughter, you know, from the baby Bjorn would hand people bread. Not because she saw me handing people bread, because that wasn't what I was doing. Or I delivered meals to homebound, shut-in people. And so my kids definitely are more advanced in adult conversation than most, because that's who they were exposed to all the time. But I wouldn't be surprised that if you were, if you went to Family Promise with Daniel, he would pick up a plate of cookies at three and a half and say, would you like one? to the other little children that are there and just the art of sharing snack. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm going to take my cookie first. My children learn from us just eating family dinner every night. Every mm-hmm. night we give daddy dinner first. Daddy's worked all day. Daddy's mm-hmm. plate always goes first. If my father-in-law's there, my father-in-law always will have the plate first. My kids will never take their food first, mm-hmm. ever. So it's something as simple, and I didn't tell them that. They just watched it. And they figured it out. Or if we're at, you know, someone else's house, they will make sure the host will get before mm-hmm. a guest will get because the host is mm-hmm. the one who did all the work. So you'd be surprised. They will surprise you. Absolutely. And he already is. Uh, Kara? Um, I was just wanted to go back to your idea of your fa- from your family that you're uh, giving. and before, Do you have to do something before you get, before you take? So what are, like, the appropriate things to expect your children to do at this age before you get them something like for right now Austin is ready for like the littler Legos Mm -hmm. and I've been holding back getting them because I I really try not to just buy 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 but then in my head I say oh but it's educational and it's a developmental toy and it's something we can do in the afternoon together after school but then I'm like but I don't want to buy 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 so like what are some examples of things that so if I you want to, to bring something him. new into your mm-hmm. house for him. Mm-hmm. So you can either sit down and have the discussion with him. I, I really want to give you X. Are you ready to get rid of Y mm-hmm. so someone else can, can experience all the wonderful things that you had from it? Whatever that, it might be the bigger Legos. Mm-hmm. You know, we're ready to move on to this. Um, or when you go to the store, the other thing is, is take him with you and say, I would like to buy this. Would you like, the other pieces, would you like to get something for somebody else? It doesn't have to be anything big. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done it where I took the kids to the dollar store. There's books in the dollar store. I do a big, huge thing on literacy. And I always have them pick out a book. I mean, today I'm taking my kids. The one thing I do do religiously, every Friday we have ice cream. It's clockwork. We always have it. It's not to say that I'm not going to pay for the person's ice cream that's behind us or the person who's getting ice cream for us. My daughter last week... She, she treated someone's ice cream. She brought her own gift card and did it. It's, it's all about, um, it's okay to get. And that is something you definitely have to learn, not only us, but our kids. It's okay that we have stuff. There's nothing wrong with the fact that we have and that, you know, we, we have a car and a house and clothes and toys. It's great that we have all that stuff. But it's also great to recognize that some people have a little less. Some people have a lot more. But there's nothing wrong with going to buy him the Legos, and either he learns to give something that he has away or find a way to share it or invite another friend over to play with it so it's not mm-hmm. just immediately his. But for us, we, we do, they do know that it's very important that you know, we don't just get because 
it's Tuesday, there's, there's a reason for it. And it might be behavior-centered, behavior or it might be because um, we, we need to make something. For I mean, my daughter wants to, her big thing is cooking. We, we cook. That's how we get out anything we need to do in our house. But she never wants to cook just to eat it. She wants to give it away <laughs> to whomever it is that she wants to do. And I, with that being the case, I'm okay all the time. Let's go buy the ingredients. But there's, there's something to it. Um, and it started with us with snack. That's how this whole thing started. You know how kids go in the aisle? I want, I want, and all of a sudden there's mm-hmm. 30 things in the shopping cart. And you said, how did those get in there? <laughs> So we started, you want those things? That's fine. But we're going to have an emergency box in our car. And so when they see somebody on the side of the road who says, we'll work for food or whatever the little sign says, they ask permission, Mommy, can I put the window down? And in this box, there's granola bars and water and hand wipes or whatever it is that we have, and then they can give. And then they can have the snack from the store. And that's okay with me. Mm -hmm. But they have to make sure that they give someone else sustenance at the same time. And something that's good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's just a fine line that I I what I always am afraid of going giving to him too much. I'm I'm afraid of like creating a spoiled brat monster. I think a lot of it comes back to that I wasn't as fortunate growing up. So, it's like, oh, but I can I can buy him whatever I want. <laughs> you know, but I know I shouldn't. But you're worrying about but think about think about it in terms for yourself where you don't need to to punish yourself or bully so yourself important. in there is I definitely grew up with with less, um, but that was okay. I'm, I'm thrilled with what I got, and I learned so much, and I wasn't deprived of anything. Did yeah. I have all the kids wore, we all wore the same clothes. Did I have 50 pair of those? No, I didn't. And did I get them the same way they did? No, I didn't, but that's okay. But... You know, it's okay to, to give your son something. And you and just like I said, it's okay to have things. You can't feel guilty and, and bully yourself to say, well, I don't want... Trust me, you'll know <laughs> if you're spoiling him. And the second you would see that, that fine line get crossed and you would see a behavior attitude switch from him, you'll say, wait a minute, I need to pull the reins in here a little bit. It's okay, and it's okay to give. You don't always have to give... To, to the outside world, your your family is, you know, comes first and you want to be able to enjoy giving to him. Mm-hmm. And you want him to enjoy receiving from you. So it's it's so important. I mean today I'm taking my kids to the bookstore and I'm gonna let the kids pick out a magazine as they're going in the little preteen stage. I remember the seventeen magazine and I'm I'm so excited to get to watch them. No, I never do that. Never. But I know that they're going to be so excited. And if my expectation of their excitement doesn't really happen, then all right, I got, I, I'll have that little letdown. But I think you should get him Legos, and I think you should have the best time playing with him after school. Because the joy and the generosity is within so that you don't have that resentment for giving. But I also think what's so exciting about your examples is that you're showing us that this generosity and giving back isn't something compartmentalized in somebody's life. It is Absolutely It not. is everything about who your family is, who you are, and how you're raising your children. That's part of your routine. I teach the littlest day day ones. Yeah. The littlest ones. So I start, well, I not in, in the twos. class yet, but in the twos. I, I teach it literally from you brush your teeth every day. 
And yes, I brush my teeth every day. I said, okay, so you have to do something good every day. Something as simple as holding the door for mommy as she's coming into school. And I asked them, you know, what's something that you did? And one little girl, I put my pajamas in the hamper. That's a big deal. My 11-year-old or almost 11-year-old still doesn't always well, put my husband's the <laughs> But it's something, but my daughter, I can tell you, absolutely now knows, oh, my God, it makes my mommy so happy if I can pick the towel up from the floor. But it's just the same as brushing your teeth every day. You have to do something. And the piece of it where you go back to your Legos, when your son sees you smile you're smiling not only because you're playing with him. You're smiling because you can give those to him. Yes. And you know that he has a happy, healthy, safe home environment. And he's going to see that, and he's going to thrive off of your happiness. Mm-hmm. And then he's happy. And then that, there's that cyclical circle of smile and happy. Okay, you're making, and, and, and <laughs> I I'm you're loving, making everybody cry. We, we, we love <laughs> so you. Beautiful. We love what you stand for. We love your ideas. But I know it wasn't always, it's not always easy when you're the parent in the home. So can you speak to some of the challenges you faced um, in creating (laughs) this magnificent um, sense of belonging and Mm -hmm. safety and kindness and Mm -hmm. empathy and an open, inclusive, everything. I mean, these are values that are so easily lost. And I mean, you've, you've wowed us. So let's, so talk about the challenges, please. So there's definitely challenges. It's not all happy and smiles, that's for sure. I do try to smile all the time. I have two children, like I said. I have one who absolutely watched me from day one and likes a lot of the same things I do. And I care about hunger, and, and she's all about it. But in her own way, she's not, you know, she, she had a birthday party or 10th birthday party, you know. We didn't go to Chuck E. Cheese. We didn't go to the water park. She invited 55 kids to go to the food bank and volunteer for the whole day. I don't want presents. I want you to bring me a bag of food to donate. That was fabulous. We had the best time. The newspaper came. And I'll always have the memory of the fact that my daughter really got it. And I loved it. My other daughter, not so much. And I learned with her that... I can't push, 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 push it down her throat, push it down her throat that you have to give. She is very giving, you know, always wants to give something to her teachers and that where I'm like, oh, do we have to? And now that's strange for me to say, do you have to? I have to go to the store and buy her flowers now. I have 8,000 things that I'm doing. But I did recognize, okay, she wants to give, so we're going to do it. But we don't speak the same language. My 10-year-old and I speak two completely different languages and when I say language our love language giving language whatever you want to call it we don't have the same language she hears wah 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 that's what she hears when I talk until I sat and really really listened to her what she wanted it's not that she didn't want to give it wasn't that she wasn't generous she just didn't want to do what I wanted to do so you have to hear them. It does it. I mean, and they're going to fight you and they're going to stamp their feet and they're going to say no and they're going to scream and you're going to say, oh my God, they're so selfish and you're such a brat and why, why, how could you be my kid? I can't tell you how many times I turned around to my daughter. I, how in the world can you be mine? I never say no. How could you possibly be saying no? You're saying no to, to holding the door for me? 
or the door will get slammed. I have, my arms are full of groceries. Oh, well, now that I understand her love language and her giving language that, you know, she wants to cook, I guarantee you, I park the car, I open the door, I come in the house. All the groceries are in the car. Five minutes later, they're all in the house. Why? Because she wants to do something, <laughs> and they're her groceries. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I got, I got there, and you're talking eight years of, oh, my God, you're not, you're not mine, and you're not, you're not doing what I want. Well, it doesn't matter what I want. It's not about me. So sometimes I, the resistance isn't about it has nothing the, the giving. It's uh, about a per- it's, it's all control, but mm-hmm. it's not about us. And and the other piece is is you have to remember you can control your own thoughts, your own emotions, yourself. Mm-hmm. As much as we think that we can control them, we can't. I cannot control my children. And when I finally accepted the fact that I couldn't control who she was going to give to, who she was going to smile at, who she was going to put her hand out and say, nice to meet you, and, and get over the fact that, okay, she's going to embarrass me, and, oh, yes, she's going to do things that are, <laughs> to me, god-awful. They're not god-awful to her. And until she was ready, okay. But you have to understand their language and understand that they hear everything you say. My daughter heard everything I had to say about giving. She did. And she gives in her way and she she is an amazing amazing soul and she teaches her friends all about giving. It has nothing has nothing to do with what I care about and you know they come up with their own projects. So you're asking me about um, how old, and is mm-hmm. he old enough, or is he too young, you will be so surprised how all of a sudden everything that you've taught them, and they blossom, he can be five years old and say, I want to have a lemonade stand, which you're going to say, okay, you know, he wants to have a lemonade stand, and then he's going to surprise you and say, I really want to do this with the money, and you're going to say, what? I mean, my daughter why do you always have to give our stuff away when we clean out our rooms? Why do we always give it away? I want to sell it. I got so mad. What do you mean you want to sell it? Why do we have to have a garage sale? Why can't we just give it? Well, because I want to go and I want to decorate this kid's room who doesn't have... (laughs) And my head went down and I was like, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't understand. I thought she wanted to buy herself toys. She wanted to buy herself toys. But she wanted to have the control, and she wanted to right. have mm-hmm. the money, she and plan. she wanted to be able to go and control. do it. Mm-hmm. Some kids need they need they, well they want to well they want to be just like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I didn't understand mm-hmm. that for a yeah. long time. But um, giving is is absolutely by far the hardest lesson you're ever going to be able to teach, because. People don't always want to give. As I, I was telling Karen one day in the hallway, I teach from the youngest to the 90-year-olds in this place. So I need you to say something before we do our wrap-up um, and then before you give us your last scenario of, of this wonderful uh, blessing thing, this, this, this folded money. My question for you, talking about the grown-ups, is I want you to summarize, if you can, what, what I'm feeling is... Your children know where needs exist, and your children understand pieces of the world that's beyond their immediate experience, but they don't just know it in the abstract. They know it because you've threaded it into daily routines and because you are who you are doing what you do. How do you help the grown-ups 
become more aware and sensitive to needs in local and international communities. I mean, how, how, how do we open our eyes so that we can share that experience with our children? Okay, so I do teach to um, parents about living life with your eyes wide open. You do always teach your children, you know, keep your eyes open, see everything, look both ways. So everything is always about keeping your eyes open. Um, I do teach parents that, you know, you have to start somewhere. You can't start with the entire fruit salad. you got to start with one of the ingredients. So say you pick the banana. So you would have to pick one ingredient in the community. And you can say it would be elderly, or it could be homelessness, or it could be hunger. It could be literacy. It could be anything. Think of something that actually matters in your own home. So if, if God forbid, there was a sickness within the family that was, you know, if, if grandma or grandpa had something and you took that one little piece and, and did an exploration with that one little piece and you, and you show that to your children about um, whatever, you know, we go to visit the elderly a lot just because no one goes to visit them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big deal in our house, and I teach that in the school. Um, your smiling face, you know, makes such a difference. Do something that they can actually obtain. I never set up children to fail. Always something that they can do. And I always want them to know they can make a difference. And so you as the parents, you know, you have to figure out what's important to you guys in your house. Whatever whatever it may be, hunger, homelessness, I mean, there's, you know, 26 letters in the alphabet and there's 26 different projects for each letter times a thousand. There's something for everyone. Um, and it has to be what you guys care about. It can't be what your neighbor cares about. It can't be what, you know, your mom tells you to care about. Your mom might really care about MS and you're like, well, I don't really have a connection to that. And it's, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to teach your children to believe in it. That's that's the first part. But if you don't know about it, you can teach your children how to learn about it because you're going to be learning about it right alongside with them. So, I mean, I'm looking at the cop at the table. So I taught a kid here at the synagogue. He really wanted to do something about hydration. That was his big deal. He would see these people out on the streets, and they were literally walking dehydrated. And he said, well, what can I do to help them? I said, well, why don't you start a hydrate and heal program? And, you know, you can do bottles of water and write lists about, you know, why it's important to drink the water and why it's important that you have clean water and, you know, how important it is just to have, like, a little first aid kit with Band-Aids and Neosporin and things like that because then you're not landing up in the hospital because you got a cut because of the environment that's around you. You're talking about someone who lives behind a guard gate and doesn't really know from homeless, except what he sees when he's driving. He learned so much, and the project has just continued and continued. And it's amazing thing, all about because he said somebody was thirsty. So it's anything that, that your imagine can go. I mean, your children and you are the canvas, and you just start painting the picture of giving, and it's what you want to give. Don't let anyone tell you what to give or how to give or that you're giving too much or that you're giving too little because one second of your time is just as important as anyone else. What an inspiring day. Okay, well, I'm not sure you know what our wrap-up is, but our wrap-up is always going around the table talking about how we've got this.
So in case anybody's feeling overwhelmed, in case anybody's, <laughs> there was there was there was an acknowledgement of overwhelm because <laughs> oh. we we live in, and and we just see your bright light yeah. and it's like it's whoa beautiful. we're in a shadow. Um, but thank you. But how? But I'm, so I'm going to let you go first. In the sense of not to get discouraged, how, how you don't get discouraged, how you know you got this, how you don't get overwhelmed yourself. And then for everybody to say how I've got this just for today, just for this week, just for right now, um, gratitude and giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a really lovely, lovely story that um, Summer's going to close us off with. So Summer, how have you got this? Uh, I got this because every day I get up and every day I open my eyes and I take a deep breath and I say, I got it. If I can't get it all done... I don't get it all done. And trust me, for a long time, I didn't believe that. But I do have this. I know I'm a good person. I know I teach my girls to be the best they can be every day. And I know that it extends to anyone and everyone that we touch. So we got it. Thank you. Mariella? Um, well, now that I hear all your wonderful inspiration, uh, I feel a little better. I know that he will he will learn when he needs to learn because I'm the type of person that, you know, loves all this. And, and I used to be, uh, back when I had a life before Daniel, <laughs> I used to be a member of the Rotary Club and I'm, it's something, I, it's, it's a passion of mine, just giving and not, it's not about money, it's about giving your time and sharing. Um, so I guess that's going to help me, <laughs> passing that along. Um, so knowing that it's something you can teach and not something that you necessarily have, um, I think that's what helps me think that I got it, maybe. You, you <laughs> so have it, and Daniel does too, I know. Kira? Well, I'm definitely feeling very inspired by all your ideas and all your thoughts, and I think that I've got it because I'm just going to continue to demonstrate to Austin I'm going to do it for me because it makes me feel good and I enjoy giving and participating in philanthropic events. So I'm just going to do it and he'll see and he'll learn just from seeing me do it and hopefully that will inspire him to get involved. And I love like when you said like welcoming dad home from work, you know, that appreciation, gratitude Mm -hmm. for within our, within our own families gets lost too often. Mm -hmm. So love that. Yes, of course. So this, so, you know, not to be overwhelmed. I I instituted a program here in the synagogue, which might help you. It's called B'nai Torah Kids Care, and it could be any age child. It could be a child. We've had them at 18 months come and it's where the children get to be the ones in control of the volunteer experience, and they get mom and dad to come volunteer alongside them. And it's everything that's age-appropriate that they can do, anything from making a card for someone who's sick, and it could be scribble-scrabble to um, this past week, we made 50 quarts of matzo ball soup that can be delivered. And the kids have an absolute blast, and the parents get to watch these kids make a difference. So... Don't be overwhelmed because the opportunities are there, and we'll just need to. We need to. We need to be able to tell you more that they're there. And through the podcast and through family time, the TLC connection is going to be greater and greater in the months and years ahead. Okay, now now summer's going to close us off because we we have this dollar that's on the table at the beginning of the podcast that um, and and it's we I always say to the parents give it to Sadaka and um, now summer was here folding hers and some of you will see that picture on the Family Time website and on the Facebook page but summer explain how um, this lovely lovely little r- ritual routine that you have when you have a dollar so I believe that when you have money that is 
distinctive set for Sadaka that it needs to stand alone. It needs to stand apart from all of your other money, whether it be in your wallet or in the cup holder or wherever it may sit as a mommy goes running around, that it should stand out. So when you see it, you make sure that you say, oh, wait a minute, I am supposed to make a difference with that money. And it goes into whatever... um, charity of choice, whether it be your stock of box at home or the one at the local grocery store, that, you know, it it didn't get lost in your wallet and it didn't buy, it didn't help pay for your Starbucks that day. It made sure that it helped somebody else that day. So she folded her dollar into oh, a little triangle. Can you describe how to fold that? I took my dollar and I folded it in half and then I made what I would call a basic paper football, but that's not to say it needs to be done that way because one of the dollars was folded into a square and guaranteeably she will never forget her little square when it is time to give out. There is no wrong way to do it. There is no right way to do it. It is your way to do it, but make sure that you don't let something as little as um, a little paper folded up get lost and make sure that you Put it in the right spot and do it with the right um, attitude. Don't do it out of obligation. Do it because you want to. And you also give it to travelers. Oh, it is. I do give it to travelers as when you travel, it should stand apart and you are a messenger. So when you leave from my presence and go to where you need to go, you should be protected as a traveler and you are to give it to the first cause that is in need so therefore you are protected through your travel and then you get home safely it's beautiful (sighs) magnificent day thank you all thank you mariella for coming up with the topic thank you kira and thank you summer for being um just our living breathing inspiration every day love you guys so that's the mess for today thanks so much for listening Our first new podcast of 2017 will post on Tuesday, January 10th. Have a great holiday season. Happy New Year. And we'll catch you on January 10th. Bye.